Hi, and welcome back to the CMO's Guide to Everything. Today, we have Preston Bornman. He's a transformational executive management leader with a long history of driving operational excellence and business growth. He's the creator of the Vanquish Carbon model, which we'll hear more about in a few minutes. Previously, he was the CMO of a defense contractor, president, COO, and CMO of a sports cable network, president, COO of an upstream energy business, and an executive management consultant. Preston also founded a U.S. cable sports network and received a Bachelor of Arts in Geology and Anthropology from Southern Methodist University. The CMO's Guide to Everything podcast is sponsored by Advertos, a digital marketing agency. Advertos helps B2B technology companies to target potential customers with laser accuracy and micro-targeted messaging. The firm leverages a mix of creativity, strategy, and digital technology to produce measurable results. To learn more, visit advertos.com. Welcome, Preston. Thanks, Laura. Glad to be here. Glad. To be. Thanks for inviting me. Of course, of course. For our listeners who aren't as familiar with this space, can you give us maybe a little bit of a background orientation on Vanquish, Car- Vanquish Carbon, how it works, mm-hmm. why it's so timely? Sure, absolutely. Vanquish Carbon is set up to be an ESG problem solution business. Uh, what we saw is that the Kyoto Accord set the world on to reducing the reliance on fossil fuels. And when President Obama signed the Paris Agreement, it really put the United States into a foray of grossly reducing our emissions by 2050. Uh, Of course, President uh, Trump pulled us out. So what that did actually is set the United States behind Europe and Asia. So Europe and Asia are way far in front of the United States in solving their energy transition issues. So we were started uh, two years ago because we could see the transition coming and we knew that the U.S. was going to need some expertise in solving the problems. And our main solution is providing high-quality carbon credits, which are devices that companies can use to offset their emissions. So if you're emitting a ton of CO2 through burning diesel in your trucks, you can actually buy a carbon credit and offset that emission, which gets you towards your goal of the 2050 emissions net zero. So, and why is that important? Um, I think it's maybe a next logical step here is that Because Europe and Asia are ahead of us, if a company in the United States is doing business with them, they need to be cognizant of being net zero and providing products. In the U.S., the public companies primarily and some private companies are really being driven towards net zero, not by the U.S. government, but by the investors, institutional investors, the lenders, their insurance companies. So the companies here are really being pulled into being green more than running down voluntarily, which is really what Europe and Asia are trying to do. And so here's a a prime example of what's really kind of going on from what our experience is. And so the bigger companies are, they know they have pretty significant emissions footprints that they want to reduce. And so what they're doing is they're pushing down the compliance to their providers of goods and services. So if you are a barge company, a private barge company, Laura, and you're providing fuel, transporting fuel across the intercoastal canal, Exxon or someone would say, you need to deliver that diesel green. So even if you're a private company, you're not looking for capital, you're still going to need to now comply. And so you can spend a significant amount of capex upgrading your boats which still isn't going to reduce your emissions, or you can do a combination of 
changing out your engines and buying carbon credits to reach the goals for your clients. So it's really a timely matter and it's really being pushed into the U.S. market rather than us driving the market, which is really unusual for the United States. Okay. All right. Um, so in terms of that, who are who is your audience at Vanquish Carbons? Like um, when you go to do your own growth, um, I know you said that you were uh, going to be promoting more in the new year after the new year. So, um, you know, who is your audience? Our immediate target audience is actually companies that are already familiar in the space. They're already buying carbon credits uh, <laughs> because it's difficult to educate someone on two subjects at once, which are what are carbon credits and then why we have to do this. It's a lot easier to go, we know what we're doing, we're just looking for a better solution. Mm -hmm. And so our product was geared to be a better solution. Because most of the companies that are needing compliance are public companies, we have geared our carbon credits to go through Sarbanes-Oxley and go through SEC standards so that we rise above every other credit that we know of in the marketplace. It's just more reliable, therefore less risky. Sure. Okay. Very good. Very good. So let's talk for a minute about your background. You've got this very diverse background, ESG, <laughs> cutting edge AI, tech, sports cable networks. What of that do you think has best prepared you for the role you have now? Uh, well, as my wife would say, E, all of the above. Um, <laughs> right. The, uh, the reality is it is E all the above. I actually, um, I was a natural science major in college, uh, geology and anthropology, um, came out of the world as an exploration geologist, which is really um, analytics plus creativity plus execution um, plus operations. And so that base skill set can actually be applied to every known business that I've ever met. I mean, it could be MD doctors, they do the same things. And so what happened is I became known as a problem solving person. And so I've been asked to join these various dis dispersed <laughs> industries. Uh, and of course, because I love to keep learning, I jump ship and I go from oil and gas and I go to media and I launch a sports network and then I go into you know military AI and then we're doing blockchain and AI. And so I've learned all these really cool technologies, but it's really all been on blocking and tackling. What's the problem? What's the data tell us? How do we solve it? Now let's execute it. So really everything I've done is actually aligned perfectly to, to Vanquish because it is problem solving, it is marketing, it is branding, it is sales. Uh, it's basically everything I've ever had to do in my whole career. So as unusual as that is, it actually is, it looks strange on a resume, but uh, it actually helps me and helps my businesses out a lot. You say strange, I say fascinating, really. Okay. Well, <laughs> thank you, fascinating. <laughs> so um, let's go back to, you know, you're on the cusp now of launching a pretty full-scale marketing initiative um, in the short-term future, maybe short to mid-term future. Um, what are the, some of the guiding principles you're going to implement as you move forward? Well, the, the, I, as you and I have discussed, uh, I think the guiding principles actually go back to blocking and tackling. We really need to go back to, and I'm going back because that's the way I do things, is we're going to go back to the five forces of competition. So, and the five forces of competition which really drive all of marketing are the intense rivalry between competitors, barriers to entry, substitute products or services, bargaining power of suppliers and the bargaining power of buyers. So those are the five drivers that really we have to get through and to do our deal. And so once 
you, you have to start addressing all those. And you have to start addressing with starting with the product. What's your product? What's the problem you're solving with the product? Do you have a competitive advantage? You know, you, you do your competitive matrix and are you upper, well, for you, upper right? Um, you Because you need to differentiate yourself in the marketplace for your product, right? Who's your competition? Why are you better? Your competition is good. We're just better. And then you have to start going into your audience, right? Who is your target? Who are you going to call? And that goes back to the conversation we had about the right fish at the right time, at the right place, with the right bait. And so audience identifications are very key, especially in what we're doing, because this is obviously a B2B play. So primarily for the audience, we'll get into it just quickly. The audience is really two people, two types of people. There's the CEOs of the companies who are really doing a, have a strategic problem. They have a strategic issue with their shareholders, with their institutional investors, with their debt holders. They're trying to solve an esoteric strategic problem. And then you take a step down or two within the organization and they have tactical problems. Okay, the boss needs us to solve our carbon offsets. How? Why? How do, we, how do we do this without being a cost? How do we make money on this? How do we do this as frugally as possible? So you really have two primary audiences and the story is mostly the same, but the details behind the story are gonna change. So whereas it'd be great to come out with, here's our slogan, here it is, it really doesn't fit because the audiences have two different, and what we call those by the way are drowning man issues. So they have two different drowning man issues. And the drowning man was actually created by my mentor, Michael Dabarsi. And it is a really simple model if you think about it. So Laura's going on a cruise. The cruise line calls you up. You're sitting right where you are at your office. Hey, Laura, do you want to buy a life preserver? Why do I need a life preserver? I'm sitting here in my office. I don't need a life preserver. So you go to the dock to get on the boat. Hey, Laura, would you like to buy a life preserver now? No, they were fine. You board the boat. You go to your stateroom. Everything's good. Would you like to buy a life preserver? No, I don't need a life preserver. Well, you hit an iceberg. Ah, we're still afloat. I don't need an iceberg. Well, not a life raft. But you're getting the water. You're going to go, uh, I need that life preserver now. And I'm willing to pay whatever it takes to get it. So yeah. the drowning man issue for these companies that we're seeing is that we have to have a real compliant, a compliance plan. We can't just say, Oh, yeah, we're doing this. No, no, we have to have rubber meeting the road and actually moving towards the target. And so the drowning man issue for the chairman is he has to have the plan and he has to be able to articulate that plan. The drowning man issue for the staff is well, they actually have to implement it yeah. and they have to implement it within their budgets and try to make money. And so those are the two different drowning man uh, that we've seen for the target. OK, all right. Okay. Um, so when you go to define your personas, you know, in marketing, we talk about ideal customer profiles and so forth. What are some of maybe besides the drowning man, right? You've got the, the strategic problems and the tactical problems. Um, right. What are some of the other things that you consider uh, when you're defining those that maybe people don't think about all the time? You know, um, we all the, all the time we think in terms of geography, we think in terms of demographics and we think in terms of need. You know, are there anything is there anything else that you would consider when you're sort of defining how you would create a message for someone? Um, one of the other issues that we've run across is U.S. versus international ownership. 
companies that are owned by international entities need a little bit different messaging because they are actually looking at things through the other end of the glass as opposed to what the Americans are. Because the Americans are really trying to go, how do we keep pushing this off and do as little as possible? I mean, that's kind of been what things are starting to switch, but that's kind of been what's been. But the Europeans are going, we're doing this. We need to do it now. How do we get it done? And so, and that's a little bit different message because there's an immediacy to them. Um, and so part of, you know, what you're talking about is how do we create an immediacy on the American audiences? And part of the way we've solved that in our messaging is that we are a wholesaler of carbon credits, not a retailer of carbon credits, because we want you, the customer, to be able to take what we could sell you and mark it up and put it into your value chain. So that's kind of the ideal profile that we've, we're working on. Who in the marketplace, one, needs credits, already uses credits, and who can take the product and actually integrate it into their market and generate extra revenues off by doing it. And so those kind of the two things that we're shooting for today. I mean, as the market matures, obviously that's going to change, Laura. But right now, that is it. It's it's the drowning man issue, but it's really the customers that can actually integrate us into their businesses and integrate it in fairly seamlessly, actually. Because if you're back to the inland barge guys, you're selling, you're you're transporting diesel in a barge in the inland waterways, and you're going, well, okay, well, I can make this a green load for you know. I don't know, 10 cents a barrel, 10 cents a gallon of diesel I burn. Well, I'm just going to check a little box here. Check if you want this load to be green for 500 bucks. Okay. And then that's it. It's easy. It's just on a, it's just a line item on the ticket that goes to the customer and they just check it off. And so it makes it real easy. So, you know, you said you want to be green. Well, here it is. So, yeah. you, know, yeah. you know, put your money where your mouth is. So that's kind of a really important uh ideal customer profile that we're looking for now, the ones that can actually seamlessly integrate this into the value chain. Okay. Well, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Um, most of what, you know, most of what I expect you'll be doing in the future too, in 2022 is educating customers. We talked a little bit about that. Um, yes. So do you have any ideas for edu like that, those educational kind of campaigns? Uh, yes. Um, and frankly, we're kind of I'm working on the nascence of that. So I write very short articles that go into LinkedIn. Um, some of them are just wildly economic articles that are really making a point that don't actually talk about carbon credits. But other things that I'm doing is I've written white paper. Uh, I've written a program brochure. It's on the website. And so I'm going to continue to write articles and educate people that way. Uh, we are going to start doing a little bit more PR. It's kind of an educational piece. We have joined the uh, Amazon Net Zero group. So we have committed to Net Zero by 2030. We're actually Net Zero now. Uh, we have joined a group called uh, Blue Sky Maritime, which is the global maritime group trying to satisfy Net Zero in inland waters and blue water shipping. And so we're going to continue joining these groups. We're actually part of um, the Baker Institute at Rice University. So we're joining these groups. We're participating. We're helping other people solve their problems. And at the same time, we're, we're slowly getting the word out of what we're doing and why we're different and why we're actually better for you than the existing products. Um, and so the education is the key and it depends upon how you want to look at, but we're different in multitude of areas, actually like 10 areas compared to existing carbon credits. 
And you can't throw all that at the wall at first because everyone's going to eyes are going to spin their heads. So we have to kind of start with one topic at a time or two and then kind of slowly educate them as we work down our hierarchy of what we think are the and what our market testing tells us are the most important points for the customers. So really, it's going to be articles, uh, panels. Uh, we're going to start getting on panels next year. Uh, we just weren't quite ready this year. Um, I didn't have enough written. I didn't have enough of the statistics behind me. Um, we've actually come up with a, a carbon credit rating system, which is very detailed of 21 different aspects, and we're the only people that have it. And so we're going to start utilizing that and putting that out too in articles. So, you know, we have to be the experts and people have to realize that we're the experts. So we can't educate them just on my product. That's, that's disingenuous. So we want to educate them on the market in general. Right. Yeah. So we had the same, I had the same experience 10 years ago when no one knew what machine learning was when back when AI right. was still, well, the general public didn't anyway. And, and people couldn't um, spell AI. <laughs> yeah, right, right. It was a whole different word world back then. You know, you would say machine learning and people would go, what? You know, right. and um, I had a client, um, still do actually, um, still with us 10 years later. Uh, but they, they, they did machine learning for seismic interpretation. And so, so many of those first years were spent just in educational efforts. And um, it was always a challenge to think of new and different and interesting ways of reaching people um, with a message, right? And they did. They published the technical papers and the peer-reviewed journals, and, and they did all of those things. But in terms of just getting people's attention, you know, I think, you know, the posting on LinkedIn was very valuable in that. Um, speaking everywhere um, was, was really valuable, but it took a long time for like the audience to really catch up and really get what was going on. We were kind of those early evangelists sometimes have it the hardest. <laughs> it's tough. And then part of the other is is that we're going to get evangelists for us. So we're going to have third parties that we are associated with actually also professing this as part of what they pitch. So it's not, you know, one of the analogies I always use, if, if you want to buy a boat, don't tell your wife you want a boat. Have someone else tell her you want a boat you should buy. And so <laughs> I think in marketing, if someone hears it from Mary Lou over here and goes, hey, well, I've heard you guys are really good. That works better than Laura saying, hey, we're really good. Yeah, so the influencer mentality. You do, sure. you do need some mm -hmm. surrogates out there preaching preaching the gospel also. And so that is, but that takes a little longer because you have to convince them. Um, and if you're paying them, it's once again disingenuous. So you do have to build that trust. Yeah. I will say the effort pays off because here we are 10 years later and those 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 pioneers of the field, the early evangelists, the people that come onto the scene first, they may have it the toughest in terms of education. But then when the rest of, rest of the industry catches up, which it will, absolutely, at, at some point, then they become the thought leaders and the go-to places. And it's, right. it's a lot more difficult to unseat them at that point. So they, it absolutely. does carry that, that advantage. <laughs> you do have that advantage. And that's what we were doing with the military company, um, the military technology. It was AI, but it was not so much doing the AI portion of it. It was that our theory behind AI is that you don't need to just have more data to have AI. You really need to have higher quality data. Yeah. So what we were working on was much higher quality optical data so that the AI had a better basis to build its solution upon. Because if you add in the military, if you add copious amounts of data, it takes too long to process 
to give you a real-time solution. So you have to back up the process and go, wait a second, we're looking at the wrong end of this solution here. We need to go back to the beginning and put in better data. So, you know, and seismic is the same way. I mean, same way. Yeah. Tighter bits, better charges, better, you know, better frequency on your charges, whatever it takes, right? Better processing algorithms and you just get better data. Therefore, you get a better algorithm out of it. Mm -hmm. Right. Absolutely. All right. So um, let's see here. I'm just kind of looking down some of the things that we've talked about in the past, the bullet points here. Um, What about, you know, going back a little bit to your comment, right fish, right pond, right bait, right time. I I love that. First of all, I think that's that's very appropriate. what are what are some ways that you found of um, effectively communicating a value proposition? A lot of times we run into business leaders who will are very passionate about their products, and that's great. They're supposed to be, um, but they have a hard time distilling that down to a very clear, simple message um, because. They're engineers at heart. They, the more right. you know, the more they can share with you, the more you'll, you know, and really in marketing, the message has to be kept simple, right? It has to be kept simple. So do you have any recommended processes for how to how to distill all of that to, to something digestible? It's my recommended process is you go through right fish, right place, right time. You go through your product and you come up with your messaging after you have a lot of friendlies and talk to people and find out what it is they really want and need and what's the path going to get to. So I don't actually even have our messaging down yet because we're still walking through all these with companies here in, in Houston, but because it is the latter end of the process. So, and I think a lot of people back to what you're saying is dead on a lot of people cop out and the value proposition is in pricing. Well, now you've just commoditized yourself. And that is not what you want to be. So the value proposition has to be, how does this solve the target's problem? And how well do you solve it? And then how can you, like your customer's 10 years, right? That's a great brand equity you have. It's a repeat customer at a fair price. So you want to do that. And so part of your brand messaging has to convey what you want in the long run, which is that repeat customer. So, I'm just not there yet. I wish I could. I, I mean, I had a friend of mine call me up and go, hey, I, I need a, I need a one line brand messaging to get your story across because it's just really complex. And I went, good luck because I'm not there yet. <laughs> so, <laughs> sorry, but I'm not going to jump out and make something up because it's not right. Um, it's going to be something simple, obviously, because, you know, you and I both agree that simple is the way to go. And it's going to be something that makes sense to the customer when they read it not make sense to me because there are a lot of people that write really cool things but it's like what the heck does that mean if you're not an insider you don't understand it so um but that's all part of the branding and messaging course and and branding of course i really haven't even gone through the branding but i like brands that actually are what they are which is why vanquish carbon is vanquish carbon because what do we do we remove carbon so we vanquish it so i'm a big proponent of and logos that actually are what they are, um, like y'all's, it is what it is, right? Yes. We are what we are, Bankers right. it, yeah. So uh, I like that a lot. Um, and I didn't want anything abstract or obtuse. Uh, Google spent a lot of money and so did Amazon telling people, oh, we're the place for books. And then they spent a lot more money saying, oh, we're the place for everything else. And so right. because Amazon doesn't mean anything. It's a river or, or you know, a tribe in, in Greek mythology. So 
they had to create something. So names, uh, and you know, back to your thing, but, but names have to be what they are, and the messaging has to convey the value to your customer. Because really, and you know this as well as I do, we cannot lose fact that it's really all about them and not about us. So the message has to be about the customer, not Vanquish Carbon, the best credits in the business. Well, that's about me, and that's yep. wrong. It yeah. needs to be yeah. Solving your problem or something, uh, something corny, but it's really about them. And so we have to always remember that because I can't, I, I see it all the time. I mean, you can get online, you can see ads coming across Facebook or whatever, and this, the ad's about them. It's really not about you. Yeah. It really needs to be about you. How are we solving, Laura, how are we meeting Laura's needs? Absolutely. That's, that's something we talk about all the time among our team make the customer the hero of our story. Whatever story we're telling, whatever we're right. doing, like the customer is the hero of the story. We are not the hero. It's not about us. It's not about our brand. The customer is the hero. <laughs> so. Exactly right. You're dead on. It, that's yeah. why, it, and it's also when you have comp competitors, which you have and we have, it's like, they're really good. They know what they're doing. We're just better and let me tell you why. Exactly, yeah. So you, you never put anybody down because you never know when they're gonna buy you. <laughs> Oh, oh, Laura, you, you know, we're buying your company today, but oh, by the way, you slammed us a month ago, so you're out. <laughs> yeah, that's not good. <laughs> no, you got to be, got to be careful about that. Right, right. So, um, to, just in closing, we're running a little short on time here. So, okay. last question. I love to ask this question. I'm a voracious reader. I love reading. I love learning. What's the last book you read, like business or marketing book that you read that you would really recommend? Actually, I have two. Um, okay, great. One of my swipe for my daughter. It's called Extreme Ownership, How U.S. Navy SEALs Lead and Win. And so it's really about, it's really, a, they put pen to paper of how I think that leaders have to own what goes on. You have to actually be a leader. There is no blame. If something goes south, it's your fault. You take responsibility. Great book, short read. I highly recommend it. And the other piece that has to go with that is that and it's another great book. It's by Bob Goff. It's called Everybody Always, Becoming Love in a World Full of Setbacks um, and Difficult People. And so you combine what Bob Goff believes with extreme ownership, and I think it'll make anyone who reads those two a much better leader. Because when I started out, I had the patience that I kept in a thimble. And after reading Bob, I have a little bit larger bucket now. And so I think I need to continue increasing my bucket. But being who I am, patience just in my natural attributes was not there. And so I could lead and I could do these things, but I had very little patience for the people under me. And so Bob Goff really helps put that all in perspective. And so combining the two, I think is, is really a key. So I highly recommend those two. And they're both, you can get them on Amazon. Speaking of Amazon, you can get it on Amazon. <laughs> you can get it on Amazon. <laughs> Fantastic. I will definitely pick up a copy of both of those okay. for sure. Well, thank you so much for your time today, Preston. I super appreciate having you on the show. It was a fascinating session. You're welcome. Thanks, Laura. I appreciate being here. All right. Very good. Thank you very much. Thanks for joining us today. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and drop us a review on iTunes. If you enjoyed this episode, I would love to hear from you. Tag me on Twitter at CMOGTE podcast and let me know what you think about the show and if there's any topic you'd like to hear about in the future. And until next time, this is Laura Cuddle, your host from the CMO's Guide to Everything.